And welcome back to another episode of the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR95. Today we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. We got three more team previews to get through here. This Falcons episode, I'm thinking, should go pretty quickly here. Not a whole lot of expectations for this team. Um, They have the worst odds in the NFC this year and the uh, second worst odds to win the Super Bowl coming into this season. A bit of a rebuild here. Arthur Smith in his second year as head coach with this team. 7-10 last year. It's their first season in 14 years without franchise quarterback Matt Ryan. And of course, Calvin Ridley this offseason being hit with a year-long suspension for gambling during his absence from the team during the regular season last year. I'm not going to go on a full-blown rant about Calvin Ridley getting a year for placing a couple parlays on his own team, mind you. This, you know, uh, Pete Rose, you know, let's do the rant. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame in baseball. You know, there's a difference between placing a couple bets, trying to make some cash back in your boys and, you know, shaving points, fixing games, doing the whole Tim Donahue situation in the NBA. And it's not like these refs aren't already fixing these fucking games. All right, let's get back on track here. This Falcons team, it looks like an uphill battle this season. 7-10 Seven and ten last year, third in their uh, division down in the NFC South, twelfth in the NFC last year. Um, they finished with, I believe, the ninth overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, they covered six, ten, and one against the spread last year, thirty-seven point five percent against the spread, sixth worst cover rate in the NFL. Uh, the offense, 26th in points per game, 18.4. 29th in yards per game, 303.8. Uh, defense tied for 29th in points per game allowed, 27 even. Uh, 26th in yards per game, 364.4. And this team was 25th in turnover margin at a minus six turnover rate. Yeah, not good metrics, and to be honest, I mean, franchise QB Matt Ryan gone, Marcus Mariota comes in as the starter, the offensive weapons this year even worse than they were, you know, at times last year, and the defense looking pretty thin, especially this team, you know, not built through the trenches at all. Um, and that's really, you know, that's where you have to put the meat and potatoes of your football team. Offensive line and defensive line, you have to prioritize in this league or you just you won't win. This team has the 31st ranked offensive line, according to uh, Warren Sharp at Sharp Football. And the defense, uh, especially on that D-line, not many uh, household names. Let's just say that. So um, outlook not that positive for this team. The coaching staff is all returning. I mentioned Arthur Smith in his second year. Um, let's talk personnel. Let's talk about the offseason. I've mentioned a couple times. Matt Ryan's gone, uh, shipped over to Indianapolis for a third-round pick. Um, I've talked on the Indy episode. I'm really optimistic for Matt Ryan being a good fit for that franchise. But at this point, if Matt Ryan were to stay on this Falcons team behind this bad O-line and without all these weapons, it would be trouble. I think Mariota makes a little bit of sense considering how bad the O-line is. They're going to need a a guy that can move a little bit back there. So um, in terms of a a short-term, you know, quick fix, kind of throw a Band-Aid on the situation, I guess that makes a little sense. 
but Mariota probably going to be running quite a bit for his life this season. Uh, who else did they lose this offseason? Uh, linebacker Foyer Aluakan went over to the Jaguars. Wide receiver Russell Gage went to the Buccaneers. Tight end Hayden Hurst didn't work out here. I can't remember off the top of my head where he went this offseason, but I know we've talked about him. A defensive end Dexter Fowler, Dante Fowler Jr., excuse me, uh, also walked away from this team. Cornerback Fabian Moreau. Uh, veteran running back Mike Davis, now with the Baltimore Ravens. Strong safety Duran Harmon. Offensive tackle Matt Gano. Uh, defensive end Stephen Means. Wide receiver Taji Sharp. Punter Thomas Morstead. Offensive tackle Jason Spriggs. Defensive end Jonathan Bullard and long snapper Josh Harris. Shout out to all the long snappers. So a lot of names there and some pretty decent contributors at the top there. Matt Ryan, Aluakon, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, Fowler, Moreau, Mike Davis. These are all guys that have really contributed over the last two years on this roster. Matt Ryan, the last decade and a half. And yeah, again, it's an uphill battle here. They a couple, you know, decent signings here. I like maybe three or four of the names here, and then kind of a shotgun approach. Um, I'm gonna rattle off names once we get past the notable ones here. But Marcus Mariota, I've brought up. You know, we'll talk about him more throughout the episode. Um, interesting career arc. Played okay in Las Vegas in like limited spots. Um, I think he played one game in the 2020 season, did not play a game last year as Derek Carr was able to stay healthy for the entire season. Uh, you know, hit or miss in Tennessee. I don't think he was ever really meant to play in that Titans offense. It was never really a good fit for his skill set. And uh, we'll see. He gets another shot here, but probably just a bridge quarterback. They did draft a rookie who we'll talk about later in this breakdown. Um, so probably not a guy that's going to be the face of the franchise here in Atlanta. Um, who else do they add? This offseason cornerback Casey Hayward, veteran corner there to play opposite of A.J. Terrell, who actually is uh, probably the best player on this defense, maybe the best player on this team, arguably uh, Terrell, one of the better corners. So Casey Hayward and Terrell, pretty decent tandem. Maybe the strongest point of this defense outside of it. Not great. Um, defensive end Lorenzo Carter and linebacker Rashawn Evans they brought in as well on the defensive side of the ball. Rashawn Evans I like, former starting inside linebacker with the Titans. Um, they pair him with Deion Jones in the middle, and that's not a bad tandem either. But outside of those four players that I just covered and Grady Jarrett, there's nothing else on this defense. It's a lot of liability. I don't, I don't expect this team to be able to get pre uh, pressure up front. And I mentioned the offensive line is really bad as well. So again, like when I see a team that's built from the outside in like this, um, and <laughs> I mean they don't have offensive weapons either. Um, I'm not optimistic. So okay, who else did they bring in? Uh, this is where we get to shotgun approach. Damian Williams, running back, veteran, you guys know from the Chiefs with the Bears last year. Defensive tackle Vincent Taylor. Tight end Anthony Ferkser was the second string tight end with the Titans the last couple of years. Offensive tackle Jermaine Ifedi. Uh, wide receiver Auden Taint. Linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski out of West Virginia. Shout out Mountaineers. Uh, cornerback Michael Ford. Wide receiver Damir Bird. Uh, offensive guard Elijah Wilkerson, cornerback Jalen Tabor, uh, punter Bradley Pinion, and long snapper Bo Brinkley. 
Pretty cool name there. I think they got an upgrade at the long snapper name when you go from Josh Harris to Bo Brinkley. Uh, they re-signed a handful of guys, keeping them in-house. Uh, running back Cordero Patterson got brought back. Uh, best year of his career last year. You don't really uh, you don't see a guy breaking out in year nine of his NFL career often. During the fantasy segment, I'll talk about my concerns for Patterson to maybe not be able to produce statistically at the same rate this upcoming year. But they did bring him back, one of the only real productive pieces of that offense last year um, a guy that's bounced between wide receiver and running back his entire career and ended up you know being really good for fantasy actually last year kind of out of nowhere uh, cornerback Isaiah Oliver safety Eric Harris uh, running back Quadre Allison uh, offensive guard Colby Gassett um, or Gassett not sure those were the re-signings so that's a lot of names that we just went over, but to be honest, like not many real high caliber like blue chip players in that entire list of guys, right? So again, this roster, one of the weaker ones in the league. Um, the draft, uh, again, this team really has to build for the future here. They had essentially no weapons on this offense outside of Kyle Pitts and like Patterson, I guess. Um you know, coming into this offseason with the Calvin Ridley suspension. So they went and spent the number eight overall pick on wide receiver Drake London out of USC. Drake London currently dealing with an injury that he suffered in week one of the preseason. Had a pretty nice play there on a crossing route over the middle. Looked good, too. Looked fast. Uh, looked physical. Um, got injured right on that play. Uh, knee injury. I'm actually kind of Googling here. I did pull up a window. It looks like he's not practicing this week, uh, has not practiced since that week one preseason game. So something to keep an eye on. It's concerning there, especially any sort of lower body issues this time of year coming into the season. That's not a good sign. But Drake London appears to be a pretty strong prospect at that receiver position. Uh, round two, outside linebacker Arnold Ibakidi. Iba, yeah, Ibakiti, sure. I'm not doing great on names this offseason. I didn't. I, there's a lot of rookies that I didn't prep for here. He's a linebacker out of Penn State. They take in round two. They had two second-round picks. They took another linebacker, Troy Anderson, out of Montana State. Round three, quarterback Desmond Ritter. Uh, Ritter out of Cincinnati, four-year starter, looks to be one of the more mature guys with more uh, playing experience at the quarterback position in this draft. Um, had a lot of success taking that Cincinnati program to the college football playoffs this past year. Uh, he's showed flashes in the preseason. Um, this past uh, preseason game against the Jets, um, going 10 of 13 for over 100 yards there. Um, yeah, 10 of 13, 143. He's looked good making plays with his legs as well he's you know him and Mariota look very similar if you're watching the game and you don't put numbers on either of those guys just based on body type and like the ability to scramble and move just physically like they look very similar to the same type of quarterback which I always think that's a good idea for teams to have a backup QB that matches the skill set of their starter and Desmond Ritter is a guy that you know third-round quarterback with a guy like Mariota who doesn't have a stranglehold on that position, he could you know, play his way into a starting role for this team either this season, next season, whenever he gets his chance. I think this Falcons team will give him a chance at some point. It's just a matter of 
can Mariota, you know, play well enough this season to hold on to his job, but it's not like it's a long-term commitment to Mariota and they do draft a guy here to put behind him. So Ritter, you know, again, making some plays in the preseason, I'm not sure he's ready yet. Um, but, uh, you know, interesting. I don't think that the quarterback uh, class this year is going to end up being nearly as bad as everybody was building it up to be going into the draft. I can't believe only one of these guys went in the first round. And I'm not trying to, you know, victory lap Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis here going into week three of the preseason. But they just they don't all look terrible. And for, you know, again, Ritter and Willis to both drop to the third round, Sam Howell has looked, you know, competent. And he dropped all the way to the fifth round after being projected like a top 10 pick this time last year. Just wild what happened to that that quarterback class in the draft this year. Ritter, we'll keep an eye on him. Round three, outside linebacker D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky. And round five, running back Tyler Algier out of BYU. Algier's a guy that caught my interest this offseason. He's currently number three on the depth chart behind Patterson and Damian Williams at the running back position. But I kind of see this as a similar situation to the Damian Pierce spot over in Houston. Damian Pierce coming into this preseason, technically the third guy in the depth chart, but if you look at who's ahead of him, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead don't really scare me, and I'm not really scared of Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams either. Algier, for a fifth-round pick, I think is impressed in the preseason. I liked his tape from what I've watched of him out of BYU. He looks like a solid back. Ran a 4.640, not really a speed burner. Pretty solid inside runner, though. Pretty physical. Has the ability to get loose in the open field. He's not, you know, a LeGarrette Blunt, A.J. Dillon type of road grader. He's just a, he's a balanced running back that I think is the best running back on this roster. He's ahead of Quadre Allison on the depth chart. Cordero Patterson, I think, is used more as a receiver this season than a running back. I really think Algier will be the primary runner for this team sooner rather than later. And I think because of the lack of talent at receiver, you know, Drake London with injuries, and then we go to Brian Edwards and Alamide Zacchaeus, uh, which, you know, Alamide Zacchaeus um, just... If that's a starting receiver for you, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Kaderil Hodge, Damir Bird, they're the other guys here. So not much talent there. I think they're going to have to get Patterson more involved in the passing game. And I think Algier has an opportunity here for this team. So strength of schedule. Uh, we'll, we'll preview the schedule. We'll get into the futures for this team. Their over and a half for wins is four and a half. Um, I think the Falcons and the Texans are the only teams sitting at four and a half for the win total right now. Over is minus 120. Under is plus 100 for this team at four and a half. I, do, I think five is the max for this team. Let's go through the schedule here. It's not easy. 23rd ranked schedule. So almost in that bottom quarter of the league in terms of difficult schedules. Um, they start with the Saints and the Rams, that's going to be tough for this team. They get a winnable one with Seattle, potentially, and then it gets back to being pretty difficult. Cleveland, Tampa Bay, um, 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Chargers, Panthers again, Bears, Commanders, Steelers, Saints, Ravens, Cardinals, Bucks. That last month is brutal. And honestly, with the roster talent here, I mean... 
We'll see what Washington looks like by week 13. Uh, maybe it's winnable, but over that last six weeks, it's going to be difficult. Maybe they got the Bears. Maybe they get one or two from the Panthers. You know, the Browns with Jacoby Brissett, maybe. The Seahawks in week three, maybe. Outside of that, they're not winning any of those other games, you know, aside from massive upset, obviously. It's easy to sit here and talk about hypothetical wins three months from now in July, but realistically, injuries happen, everything like that. I'm just saying, let's look at this schedule. It's difficult. The Falcons, not a good roster. Over, under four and a half. I don't know if I have the balls to take under four and a half. If I have to give you guys a pick, sure. Under four and a half. For me, I looked into this a little bit more. Again, I'm not really comfortable at the four and a half because can this team win five games? Yeah, they can. You know, you could sneak out five wins. I mentioned, you know, the Panthers aren't a powerhouse, the Seahawks, the Bears. There's some teams that they can get this year. Um, but I looked into it. If you want to take under five and a half at the alternate total, you can get that at minus 185. This team won't win six games. Five is the ceiling. So I like that. I'm talking myself into that. Um, I looked that up this morning and I like that price. I know you don't want to lay minus 185, but guys, this team has the second lowest odds to win the Super Bowl. Sportsbooks are usually pretty good about nailing that kind of stuff. They have the last odds in the NFC this year. Six wins just isn't on the docket for this team. Complete rebuild. God forbid anything happens to Kyle Pitts there. Um, Drake London already dealing with injuries. Who are you throwing to? And Again, second worst ranked offensive line coming into this season, only ahead of the Chicago Bears, who still here on August 25th don't know who their starting five is. Yeah, this team, yeah, I like under five and a half minus 180 if you can shop around and get that price. Official line on the market right now, four and a half over minus 120 under plus 100. That indicates here that the sports books really like them at five. So it's either going to be four or five wins for this team. And, you know, again, I'll buy the insurance at five and a half with the hook. They're not getting to six. Um, if you're feeling ballsy under four and a half, it's plus 100. It's even money. Their odds to win the division are 30 to one. Just to win their division, 30 to one. Lower odds than the Panthers, obviously, here, who we'll talk about on tomorrow's episode. They have uh, nine and a half to one odds compared to 30 to one odds for the Panthers and the Falcons to win their division. Um, the Falcons, I've mentioned a couple times, worst odds to win the NFC at 100 to one. And they are 250 to one to win the Super Bowl. Only team with worst odds, the Texans at 300 to one. So, yeah, the odds to make the playoffs, yes, plus 750, no, minus 1,200. You're not getting involved with any of that. You're never laying a minus 1,200, no matter how confident you are, unless you're Warren Buffett over here and you can afford to throw around that kind of juice. But, yeah, if I want to tell you guys to take anything, shop for that extra game and get under 5.5 wins at minus 185, that is looking like a very good bet to me for this Falcons team. Sorry about it, Falcons fans. Let's talk offense, let's talk fantasy, let's break down the skill players here and let's get out on this Falcons team. Not many guys that I'll be targeting. I'll just I'll I'll give it to you up front. Algier. I want Algier in my drafts. I've mentioned, you know, he's going super late. Right now he's the third running back on the depth chart. Cordell Patterson being drafted um far ahead of him, despite the fact that I think goal line opportunity for sure goes to Algier. Uh, maybe right away in week one. And it's, I just don't think it takes long for this coaching staff to realize that they don't have pass catchers and Cordero Patterson is the second best pass catcher on this team. 
third best when London and Pitts are on the field, and um, Algier is just their best running back. Damian Williams, you know, maybe that fucks things up because he maybe he's not done, but he's just always kind of been just a guy, right? I mean, his best, most productive years in the NFL was in that Kansas City offense, who I think a lot of running backs can and have been productive in that system. So um, we're going to kind of break down Mariota, Patterson, Williams, Algier, London, Brian Edwards. I'll give you a little bit of background on Zacchaeus. I'll give you a little bit and Pitts. But really, Algier's the guy I want in my drafts, and I'm trying to talk myself into Kyle Pitts. We will dive into that. I'm going to save Kyle Pitts for the last. We always do tight ends last. That's how I'm going to keep you guys on the hook here. Um, if you want to skip the next 10 minutes, I guess you can. But yeah, I'm not looking at the QB. I'm not really looking at the receivers here. Drake London's injury is kind of scaring me off, and there's other guys in that range I think I'd rather take a shot on. Um, the honorable mentions for this team, quarterback Desmond Ritter, I've mentioned he'll be the backup if anything happens to Mariota or if Mariota just sucks. He could see snaps this year. Um, I mentioned uh, Quadre Allison is the fourth string running back here. Uh, wide receiver uh, Zacchaeus is, uh, we're not going to get into consistency metrics or anything like that. He's being drafted a 310 overall wide receiver 99 this year. He gave you one uh, top 12 wide receiver week last year, catching a deep ball, I think. And then the backup tight ends, Anthony Ferkser. So, okay, Mariota. And these will go quick, guys. These will go quick. Uh, you're not drafting him in fantasy, 20, uh, 275 overall, QB 31 off the board, didn't play a game last year, no consistency metrics to talk about, uh, 14th easiest strength of schedule. You know, maybe that rushing upside provides you some streaming capability week in, week out, but you're not drafting him in your fantasy league, so we're really not going to waste time here. Again, you know, if this defense is terrible and you see Atlanta just getting scored on left, right, and center and having to just play catch-up constantly in the second half of games, I think that's the path for Mariota and these um, these pass catchers, I guess, to provide value. Uh, that's also a little concerning about Algiers' value as we transition into the running backs because if they are in negative game scripts all year, how much does a, a guy like Algier, who's going to depend on you know inside carries and goal line opportunities, how much does that affect his upside i mentioned goal line opportunities probably being his his uh easiest path to success but how often is this falcons offense going to be in the red zone and in the 10 zone it's a question mark cordero patterson being drafted 82nd overall running back 31 this year he went into last year as a wide receiver technically in fantasy formats and had his position converted through, uh, like halfway through the season when he started like just becoming the starting running back for this team Really kind of a weird situation. Technically, he's a running back coming into drafts this year, although I think he'll be used more in the pass-catching game. Uh, he was the team's leading rusher last year. Uh, he had 618 rushing yards. Um, he also had 548 receiving yards on 52 receptions. He had the third most receptions on this team behind Russell Gage and Kyle Pitts. Gage no longer there. Uh, Drake London, again, injury right now. Um... A lot of vacated targets here on this offense, and I think they'll have to pick up the slack with Patterson. He's going like eighth round of your fantasy drafts. Uh, was not being drafted last year. I mentioned kind of just a journeyman wide receiver depth chart guy that exploded out of nowhere last year due to 
just opportunity, you know, and a lack of weapons on this offense, really. Um, he finished the running back nine in PPR leagues last year. Um, 16 games played, running back 16 in points per game because not many guys stay healthy for 16 games. There's a drop-off. The running backs on this team have the hardest schedule for fantasy football this year, according to fantasypros.com. And that's concerning. Again, the reason I'm willing to take a shot on Algier over anybody is because he's going super late in drafts. And I think with the youth and the potential to play into a role, spending a 13th, 14th round pick as your last running back in fantasy leagues doesn't really scare me off. But spending an 8th round pick on Patterson when we could see his role change quite a bit this season, that concerns me. He's just not a guy I'm really willing to get involved with. I'll take some young receiver or a tight end or a QB in my eighth round instead. Um, Damian Williams, you're not drafting for fantasy. He's just kind of a guy. Uh, finished uh, running back 70 last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. 12 games played 81st in points per game at the running back position. Algier, I mentioned, 133 overall, running back 48 in your fantasy drafts. I'm intrigued by him. Uh, Drake London going 81 overall as we talk about receivers here. 35th wide receiver off the board. He's a rookie as well. Go look up some highlights. High draft capital. First rookie taken in uh, the real-life NFL draft this year. Eighth overall pick. Um, again, we got to monitor the injury. I don't really know right now, but he hasn't practiced in two weeks, so I'm not really sure if I'm looking to draft him. Um, just based on, again, there's other guys that I can get that I'm willing, I'm willing to miss out on a guy that's coming into the season with injury concerns. I'm just willing to let somebody else take the risk. That's my personal fantasy approach. Um, yeah, Drake London, I think he's talented. Um, but, and he has a clear path to being the number one target for this team. Uh, Pitt's probably the number one target realistically, and I guess while we're talking receivers, we should throw Pitts into the category as well because I really do consider Kyle Pitts a wide receiver, not a tight end, real realistically. For fantasy specifically, the guy's a wide receiver that plays the tight end position. And, you know, I'll just allude to it right now. I'm trying to talk myself into taking a stab at Pitts in my fantasy drafts. I have mentioned through my first 30 team previews here that I am out on drafting early round tight ends. And then we get to this Falcons episode, and I see Kyle Pitts is the number three tight end off the board going in your third, maybe early fourth rounds of fantasy drafts, 31 overall. And I'm starting to think, well, he's the clear-cut number one pass-catching weapon for this team. I think whether Drake London's on the field or not, he's the clear-cut number one pass-catching weapon. Um, Kyle Pitts last year... He had the second most receiving yards in NFL history for a tight end, only behind Mike Ditka in his 1961 rookie season. Um, he finished 50 yards behind Ditka. Now he did play three more games than Ditka, but still, second most receiving yards by a rookie tight end in NFL history. The guy is a physical freak. He is six foot six. He runs a four four forty. He can run routes. Um, he, to me, is a wide receiver playing tight end. And for me, when I'm looking at how I want to draft in fantasy, like I don't typically really want to take a running back in the third or fourth round. That's kind of the dead zone as they're referring to it for your more risky running backs. Um, and wide receiver is just like the easiest position to replace in fantasy. For me, Kyle Pitts is a guy that could 
like if there's a guy that's going to take just that massive breakout step forward at tight end, it's Kyle Pitts. And you're drafting him at his ceiling, which is concerning. But he finished the tight end six last year while only scoring one touchdown. That's going to even out. And I know, you know, we don't love this Falcons offense as a whole. And I talked about the potential for touchdown upside to not be there with the running backs but Pitts a guy that big and that athletic and that dominant the ability to bust a big play and to beat guys out on jump balls in the end zone um he's just not going to only score one again that was a freakish thing that should regress back to the mean if he even gets like five or six touchdowns we're looking at Pitts, I think, a lot differently coming into this draft season. Yeah, you know, again, tight end three. So he is being drafted like an elite tight end this year. But the more and more I'm thinking about it, if you can get wide receiver production at your tight end position and then come back and grab a guy later, I just think with Kelsey being a first-round pick and Mark Andrews being like a second-round pick this year, and you can get Pitts... You know, I'm more optimistic about the youth of Pitts and the upside and the potential than I am of what I've seen from Kittle and Waller over the last year or two, to be honest, just with those guys getting older and coming off of kind of injury-plagued seasons. I'm really starting to try and talk myself into grabbing Kyle Pitts this year. Uh, Finished the tight end six last year after being drafted the tight end four, 48th overall last year. So he is getting a bump in ADP this year up to player 31 overall. Um, Finished 12th in points per game at the tight end position, which is not great. But again, one touchdown is not likely to duplicate itself. It is a difficult schedule for tight ends, um, 30th ranked tight end schedule, but 12th easiest um, in terms of wide receiver schedule. And again, they are going to use Kyle Pitts lined up outside more often than not. Uh, You know, he can block, but really he was drafted to be a pass catching weapon for this team, not your traditional um, hand in the dirt tight end. So I'm not really concerned about the third hardest schedule for tight ends for fantasy when the receiver schedule is top 12. I'm just applying all the receiver, you know, statistics and metrics to Kyle Pitts here because he's the number one receiver for this team. He finished a top six tight end last year, only 17.6% of the time, 16th best top six finish. Again, he's just got to get in the end zone to even that out. Um, He went for over 1,000 yards as a rookie. It's pretty impressive. The skill set is there. Preseason, he's making plays as well. Go and look up the highlights from that first quarter against the Jets. Absolutely torched a guy on an outside route. Um, Finished top 12 at the tight end position, 47% last year, 11th best in the top 12 range. Again, with only scoring one uh, touchdown. So that's going to provide some bust opportunity. Finished the tight end two, 29% of his games and outside of the top 24, 23%. Again, rookie tight ends don't usually do much. Um, it takes guys to kind of, you know, a, a year or two to put it all together. And this guy showed so much in his rookie year. I don't think it's going to take too long. He's the highest drafted tight end in NFL history going uh, number four overall in the NFL draft two years ago. And I think I'm really starting to kind of get excited about him. Um, wide receivers outside of that, we talked about Drake London and Brian Edwards is the number two. Zacchaeus is the number three. Neither one are being drafted in fantasy wide receivers, 99 and 98 respectively. Brian Edwards on the Raiders last year finished 
wide receiver 65 in 16 games, uh, 97th in points per game at the receiver position. He gave you one top 12 week last year. He gave you two weeks total inside the top 24 and then busted outside the top 36 in 75% of his 16 starts. So you're not really interested in any of this. Watch the target share. See who's getting the volume. See if there is a guy that steps up at that receiver position like Edwards or Zacchaeus or if Patterson is in the receiver role more. You know, you're going to have to see where the targets go on this offense. But I'll take a stab at Algier late, and I think I am willing to invest a late third-round pick in Kyle Pitts this year. As much as I've wanted to punt the tight end position, I'm starting to get intrigued by the upside. Really am. So strongest recommendations here, I guess, draft Kyle Pitts in fantasy and take under five and a half wins at minus 185 for this Falcons team. Not much more to be said. Wish I could be more optimistic if you are a Falcons fan here, but I think you got to be realistic, and this team is clearly rebuilding. It's yet to be seen if Arthur Smith is a legitimate head coach. He had success in Tennessee as an offensive coordinator, but was that all Derrick Henry in the play-action system? I mean, he had A.J. Brown and uh, freight train in the backfield. You know, it, we're going to see if it works out for Artie Smith here, but year two going to be an uphill battle projected at about four and a half wins. Uh, good luck to you guys. We are doing the uh, the Panthers next, then we got the Browns, then we're done with these team previews. We're going to start cranking out more specific content on my future bets, give you some fantasy stuff. I know drafts are coming up here. I'm not really a fantasy expert here. I'm giving you guys the breakdowns in these team previews, but really my focus once we get done with these previews is going to be more gambling and more just overall storylines, narratives. What are we looking for as fans here and how can we make some money off this season? So I don't know how much you know fantasy specific i'm not going to give you guys like rankings episodes and stuff like that but we'll be cranking out a bunch of shit here as well as on the instagram at sgr pod with uh season futures win totals super bowl bets all types of shit for this upcoming season um thanks for listening guys i will let you go here panthers episode coming tomorrow and go ahead and ramble on